what we do here is go back, 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 back. And welcome into episode 62 of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. My name is David Statman, and as always, I am joined by my good friends Angelo and Glisa and Jake Long as we rewatch, relive, and remember a different wrestling pay per view every single week. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, we are going back to an era of wrestling that is remembered so fondly. And then you actually watch the shit. And it's it's actually bad. Like a lot of sucks. <laughs> yeah, like it actually kind of sucks. Uh, we're going to back to, of course, the heights of the WWF Attitude Era. We are at WWF Rock Bottom in your house at the end of 1998. Uh, a, a show that is it's bad. <laughs> it's like almost it's bad. Like bad. there's no way. There's no, there's no other way around it. Like this show sucked. Yeah. It's and, and and the and the real the real damning part of this is that it's not bad in the way that the 2000 WCW shows are all bad, or it's just so insane that it's actually entertaining. I just kind of didn't have fun the whole time. It's weird, and you know, hey, this is the time that everyone fondly remembers about WWF, and then they forget to tell you that actually a lot of it wasn't good. They're all wrong. <laughs> They what they what they're telling you is that we actually we loved The Rock and we loved the Stone Cold McMahon feud and that's like it. We loved the promos back then. The in ring work though is awful and that's all you get on pay per views. You don't really ever did get we, a promo. Did well, we love the promos? Look, promos I on this show. One promo. Okay, the promos on this show awful, but like. Ideally, if people are looking at this in through rose-colored glass, I would hope that the TV shows on week to week feature at least two good promos that make no, you okay, go like. Okay, Angelo, tell me who your best promos were from this era that are not Rock, Stone Cold, or McMahon. I, I, who's, your, who's your favorite promo? Yeah, I thought from Man- 1998. I thought Mankind wasn't bad, but okay. he has like his unique delivery. After that, I guess it's probably Road Dog. Yeah, Road Dog, who like Road Dog wasn't even doing a promo. He was doing a shtick, and it was a call and response. Like he's not actually cutting a promo. He's saying the same thing every single time he's there. And yes, the people love it, but it's not really. He's not like oh oh Shawn Michaels. Then Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels wasn't even wrestling. He's not even a guy. He was barely. He's basically not there. He was commissioner for what a few months around this time. Yeah, and it was basically off TV for like four years. Well, didn't you guys watch every Raw? Oh, no. Didn't you guys watch every Raw from like 1994? Or no? David did. I, I have, but I mean, you know, a lot of it's bad. I wouldn't recommend people <laughs> do that. You know, I can't recommend that someone does the insane shit that I do. But I mean, it's it's really just. Yeah, when, when people say that they, they love the Attitude Era or they, you know, like you just said, like, yeah, the promos were better back then. Yeah, you know, Stone Cold was great and The Rock was great and Vince McMahon was great. But, like, what else are we talking about here? What else do we have to work with? Nothing. Crickets. Al Snow? Al Snow didn't cut. Well, he wasn't really a promo. Come on. But people love the head. He was a gimmick that people liked. But, uh, yeah, so, as I said already, we are watching WWF Rock Bottom in your house. The end of 1998, we are at the just absolute height peak of the Monday Night Wars. 
And we're actually, this is the second to last in your house pay-per-view. Before they they retired the uh, in your house branding for, what, about 21 years before they picked it back up for uh, NXT? Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, gotta say, absolutely love the uh, NXT takeover in your house branding. Bringing back Pettengill, that shit hit with me really hard. Uh, but yeah, as we've talked about already, we thought this show sucked. But I'm always looking forward to talking about it. So I, we might as well jump into it. Are you boys ready to remember some guys? Let's get to some guys. There's always guys. Yeah, let's remember some freaking guys already. Jesus. So it is December 13th. 1998 we are at the general motors place in vancouver british columbia canada this would be the last televised wwf event in this building for 21 years they would not have a televised wwe wwf event in this building after this until last february one of the last smackdowns before COVID was in vancouver in this building um we have a sold-out crowd listed at 20,042. And as you might surmise by the name Rock Bottom in your house, this is named after the corporate champion, The Rock. This is, And we start off with the cold open of The Rock like walking into the arena, and he's got a bunch of people uh, cheering for him. Uh, and he's basically introing his pay-per-view, Rock Bottom. And he cuts this promo where he's just being super charismatic. Uh, he says that all the future in your houses, of which there is only one after this, will be named after Rock catchphrases. The crowd is screaming at him, the Rock, say the line. And he says all the lines. And uh, the crowd goes crazy. And then we go into the intro package, which shows tonight, main event, by the way, buried a live match between Taker and Stone Cold Steve Austin and they show in the intro package the uh, great angle where uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was crucified by The Undertaker. I can't wait for uh, for the, the Rock main event you know, on his pay-per-view. I can't wait for it. I think that's going to be great. That, yeah, that the Rock main events, the pay-per-view that's named after great. him, that's, that's awesome. That's just, that's a no-brainer. That's Prince Money right there. Yeah. A hundred freaking percent. But so we are uh, getting right into it. Uh, We have a young Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler on the call. No JR. Um, I believe he was out with some kind of family or some kind of health issue. Um, And they they show the, you know, the setup they've got. Again, they've got a buried alive match later on in which you have to throw your opponent into a uh, pit and then cover them in dirt and bury them alive. And we literally just have this entire show next to the entranceway, just a big, like, grassy mound with dirt everywhere <laughs> and a grave dug into it. Uh, so that's cool. And that's there the whole night. And it's actually kind of distracting. So... Uh, we have got uh, leading off. It's a tag match, and it's it's a great start to the show because you just hear "Hello, ladies." It's Val <laughs> Venus, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the big Valbowski is uh, comes out to a big pop. He takes his towel off to rapturous applause, and he cuts a promo 
where he says, and I quote, the big Valboski is like butter on a pancake. We both melt in the hot spots, which honestly, not a good line. I mean, I, I heard him do much better than that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that, like, what does that mean? I mean, I think I know what it means. I know it's what, just not, yeah, just you know, very gross. It's amateurish <laughs> work from the big Valbowski. I was uncomfortable. Um, he is teaming up uh, with the Godfather, and the fans love the Godfather. We're off to a hot start. He comes out with the hoe train. He's got the cigar. He's the coolest man in the entire world. Uh, there's like a ton of pimpin' ain't easy signs in the crowd, and he gets on the uh, the mic and he says, "You know, Val, the holiday season is upon us, and you know I know that the big Val Boski's gonna be hanging the mistletoe, so I'm gonna." He turns to the ho train. And he says, "I'm gonna give you ladies the night off, and I'm gonna give you Val for the whole night." And all the ladies cheer. And he says, "Ladies," and uh, Val says, "Ladies." I've got the Yule log if you've got the fireplace, end quote. Very fixated on the heat uh, this this particular night, Val. Because he's hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they are taking on, uh, I, I'm pretty sure this was post-Nation of Domination breakup, but it is two uh, former Nation guys. It is sexual chocolate Mark Henry. This is very shortly after he started being billed as sexual chocolate which is, to this day, one of the greatest nicknames of all time. And, big time, two and a half marks favorite, it's D'Lo Brown. The man who is quite possibly the all-time leader in uh, coolness to screen time ratio. Just, just being cool. That head yeah. wobble, man. You can't, you can't replicate ah. it. <laughs> just a dude that was never on screen for more than five minutes at any show, but you knew all five minutes he was on screen, he was being cool. Uh, he does the head wobble. He comes out with a, uh, him and Mark Henry come out with Terry Runnels and Miss Jackie. So they have a pair of managers. And uh, there's the hoe train on the other side. Uh, D'Lo is just vibing super hard. He's being real cool. Uh, like a lot of these matches, it just feels like a kind of a thrown together raw match. Um, Mark Henry gets in there. He's green. He's bad. He's kind of tough to watch. D'Lo gets in there. He hits his real cool spine buster, the sky high on Val. Goes for the frog splash, misses. Uh, there is a decent pop after Val and uh, the Godfather team up to like suplex Mark Henry because he's such a big guy. Then afterwards, on the uh, on the outside, all of the ladies, uh, Godfather's hose and uh, Jackie and Terry, they all start arguing and pushing each other around. Um, and while the ref is distracted, uh, Miss Jackie runs into the ring, pulls Val's pants down, or his trunks down, and slaps him in the face. He bumps for this, and then Mark Henry comes off the ropes, hits a running splash, and he gets the pin. And Mark Henry and D'Lo win the match in 5 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, yeah, put this on right. all, I guess. Like, it, what? Oh, that's a lot of these matches. Like David said, I, a lot of them are like this is just like this is raw with extra steps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, uh, the only thing I liked was uh, was Michael. I think no, not Cole. Um, who mode am I talking about? Uh, King might might have been King talking about how long uh, Delo's ribs were hurt for. Delo had to. That? I did not hear that. I heard the heat no. that Delo was getting. 
because he had been wearing the chest protector for like eight months. Like seven, it's like he, yeah. he had had his ribs hurt. That's why he was wearing a chest protector. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah. is, is that not like the longest injury in wrestling history? Yeah. Well, that's like the, uh, that's, that's always a great bit. Like <laughs> other people have done this gimmick after D'Lo, but I feel like it's always based on D'Lo where it's like, they get the che- like they hurt the ribs and then they just put on the chest protector and then they never stop wearing the chest protector for yeah. years. Well, it's like Bob Orton. Bob Orton didn't he do have the cast for like a yeah, long no, ass yeah, time? It, it is kind of like it is like the Bob Orton cast. You you are right, Angelo. I mean, it's like the same thing. Like yeah, like mm. Bob Orton hurt his hand and then just kept the cast for years and just hit people <laughs> with the cast all the time. That's a good call. But yeah, other people do that. Myron Reed does that. He's had the chest protector forever. Well, oh. well, I, I I've always wondered like okay, so like with D'Lo. The explanation was like, oh, well, he hurt his ribs and then he just kept wearing the chest protector. What was the thing with Roman Reigns? Why did he keep wearing the chest protector? Why did he get to wear the chest protector for five years? When did he put it on? The shield. I mean, he like he was. Did he have it from the start with the shield? Yeah, Yeah. he had it from the start with the shield. And then like after, I mean, like obviously it was part of the shield gear or whatever. Right. But then like the shield broke up and he just kept wearing it. And it's like. There was never like a kayfabe injury. He just kept wearing. It was just for the look. Except then you actually look at the guy. I, I, this is the thing I never understood. Because when Roman turned heel and he took off his shirt, you were like, damn, this guy looks great. Why was he ever wearing a bulletproof vest <laughs> for five years? Like, let the guy, yeah, like, yeah. like you want to get him over? Let people look at how gorgeous this man is. Yeah. They put him in a, a like a like a mech suit for five years. <laughs> he was in a Gundam the whole fucking time. <laughs> oh my god! I don't understand it. But what yeah, was the I last Gundam him. to get over? <laughs> uh, the Shockmaster. <laughs> <laughs> did you but guys yeah. notice that Michael Cole did not take a breath a single time throughout this entire pay per view? It's always really weird to listen to like young Cole. At, like attitude era Cole because first of all you always like it's always a reminder to me that he was in WWE this long ago yes but then like yeah his voice is like much higher pitched and it always feels like he's talking faster like he's talking way faster and he just like can't just like he can't slow himself down he's just all very excited yeah right? I will admit, I had this problem when I started doing podcasts. It was, like, very reminiscent of what I used to do. It's hard to pace yourself. Except, I mean, you are just some random guy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is his entire job. This is the only thing that he does. You're just some dude. All I'm saying... some guy, you know? All I'm saying is that I could have been Michael Cole if I was around during the Michael Cole era. Yes, yes, you could have, Angela. You keep telling yourself that, buddy. You 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 could have at least been a Doc Hendricks type. <laughs> Let's not compare me to Doc Hendricks. Angelo is a Angelo is a Vince Russo type. Let's be real. Angelo's coming. Angelo's coming out there wearing a hockey jersey. You know, I got enough. Well, jerseys. Angelo's coming out there wearing a hockey jersey and just getting heat. People hate That's it. Him. That's what he does. Nah, yeah. I get, get the Jeff Jarrett heat, which is none at all. Speaking of, uh, I just mentioned Doc Hendricks. Uh, Doc Hendricks is here. <laughs> I was like, God damn it! Why is Doc Hendricks here? It's 1998. He wasn't <laughs> still in the WWF. Apparently, he was. Um, backstage, Doc Hendricks is with 
Uh, this is like the only, like one of the only like backstage like kind of promos we get. Um, he's with China and Triple H. Um, New Age Outlaws are in a tag title match. Part of the gimmick is that China and Triple H and the Rex and DX are banned from ringside. Um, and then Triple H makes a joke about Vince taking a shit, and then five seconds later the promo's over. I don't remember anything he said. Um, so that's great. Um, like Angela said, the promos the promos at this time were fantastic. Yes, totally. Uh, they then go and they show Mankind. So Mankind, Mick Foley, is challenging The Rock for the WWF title later tonight. Uh, and they show uh, Mankind backstage before the show is coming, rolling up on The Rock and attacking him and beating him down. And, you know, The Rock is like kayfabe injured. He's like selling the ribs like he's really messed up. And then they show a promo um, where Mankind says, like, according to the contract, he, if, if The Rock can't wrestle for any reason, Mankind wins the title, which I think is a bad idea to put that in your contract because that just incentivizes someone to, you know, get the shit out of you before the match. Or, yeah, or just shoot him in the head or something, you know, like, do that. Um, <laughs> Did you guys see the ponytail doctor? Did you guys see that? No. No. They go from this to a little segment where it's like following up on the rock. And it's like this this doctor is this quote unquote doctor. Like they only show him from the back and he's like looking at the rock's ribs. He's like arguing with the rock, telling the rock he can't wrestle. But the guy has like a really long ponytail and is like wearing sweats. And it's like no, this is not I a doctor. I did not pick saying, up on that whatsoever. It's just like this, like two second. It's very slapstick. Like it's like a two second clip of like this guy in a ponytail and him and the Rock are like angrily gesturing at each other. And I was <laughs> I, I was just laughing at this. And then they cut back to the Rock, and he's with Vince and Shane. And Rock is all concerned because he might not get to wrestle tonight and lose the title. And they have Vince and Shane like reassuring him. So it's a very like it is a whirlwind like two second package of like different scenes trying to like tell you, Oh, here's the story for the, uh, the title title match tonight. Um, so yeah. And we will follow up on this like several more times tonight. And I promise you, it's not going to make any more sense than any of the shit that I just said. So <laughs> next up we have just another kind of random tag match. It is the headbangers, Bosch and Thrasher. They are taking on, I, I'm pretty sure making their two and a half marks debut. It is the oddities. Oh Jesus! I wish they didn't. <laughs> yeah, it is the oddities. Kurgan and Golga walking out. They got these, uh, you know, wacky theme music, and they're all kind of dancing around. Um, they are accompanied by a guy named a uh, giant Silva, who, with his hair kind of like tied up the way it was looked exactly like Andre the Giant. Like, bizarrely oh, yeah, yeah. so. Giant Silva, if you're like me and you're a real mutant and, you've, and you're like a huge MMA guy, you might remember him, had a few random freak show fights uh, in Pride back in the early 2000s, including a fight against a uh, longtime current pro wrestling Noah star, Takashi Sugiura, where he got knocked out 
And then there was a big brawl afterward where Giant Silva attempted to bring what appeared to be an enormous club into the ring. So he could then just beat the shit out of everybody. You're, you made all of that shit up. I didn't that make can't be real. All of that shit happened. You can look it up on the internet. I didn't make any of that up. Quit um, lying to the people. <laughs> it's Giant Silva. I literally wrote down in my notes, talk about the Sugiyora fight in Pride. <laughs> um, and... Uh, we also have uh, the late great Luna Vachon is there in the uh, in the. I think this is the first time we've had Luna Vachon possibly on the show as well. I believe everyone on the Oddies, it's their first time there. Yeah, but it is a uh, Kurgan and Golga Kurgan, who's this, you know, uh, really you know Kurgan's actually become a pretty prolific actor in a lot of movies and TV shows. Uh, uh, the guy who played uh, guy who played Kurgan's name is Robert Millet. You might remember him. From such films as uh, 300, uh, where he had a great fight scene with Gerard Butler in that movie. Hmm. Uh, he was in Pacific Rim. He was in uh, Deadpool 2. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of TV shows as well. Um, in which every single movie he's in or TV show, he plays large guy. And he's in this movie playing large, or in this match playing large guy. I'll tell you what, I wish he wasn't. And he is teaming with Golga who is actually just a John Tenta earthquake wearing a mask with an Eric Cartman shirt and carrying out a big Eric Cartman doll to the ring, like a plush doll. No, no, no. It's Cartman. It's Cartman, as Michael Cole would say. (laughs) Yes, Eric Cartman. Yes. This was 1998, and I guess like South Park, it was really taking over popular culture at the time. Um. And they are facing the headbangers. So it's Kurgan and Golga versus the headbangers. Um, this is a very mediocre, shitty, slow match where uh, Kurgan is in for like most of this match and he's got awful. And, um, you know, they uh, he goes for a uh, uh, middle rope splash. He's in there for what feels like forever. Um, goes for a middle rope splash. He misses the headbangers, double team him for a while. He tags in Golga, and, and John Tenta gets in. And, you know, John Tenta was never, like, we'll say a great worker or anything. But it's, like, night and day how much better he is than Kurgan, just because he's, like, a guy who has so much more experience. And, like, when he gets in the ring, he actually kind of knows what he wants to do and how to do it. Even though he's limited in what he does, he knows what his spots are and what he does. You know what I mean? Um, he goes for his earthquake splash. The finish of the match comes uh, when... He goes for the earthquake splash on Thrasher, not knowing that Mosh has tagged in. And it's easy to miss because Mosh tags in and then doesn't get into the ring for like 20 seconds. Um, And then he goes for the earthquake splash and then turns around and Mosh kind of springboards into him. I can't really say it was like a springboard crossbody or a dive or like... I don't know. It was maybe kind of a Fez press a little bit, but like a bad one. And he sort of just like springboards into him and like ends up sort of landing on him. And uh, Mosh gets the pin on Golga and uh, the Headbangers win the match. Six minutes and 52 seconds. Dave Meltzer gives this a negative one star. This is seriously one of the worst matches we ever had. Yeah. And like, I think the other matches that are in contention for worst match ever had some kind of gimmick to go with it. Like now that I'm thinking about that. What was that match between the demon, the kiss demon and uh, Vampiro? Vampiro. That's also, also awful, but like they all had gimmicks attached to it. This was a straight tag team match. That was 
garbage. Kurgan is one of the worst wrestlers we have had on this show. He was awful. Like, he moved around so stiff. Like, we can laugh at the great Kali and the fact that he couldn't really bend over while he was wrestling, but even he moves better than Kurgan. Like, this was yes. awful. What the hell are the oddities? Dumb gimmick. They make Retribution look reasonable. This is so stupid. This was awful. This is this the oddities is the worst gimmick I've ever seen. I'm just gonna be straight up. Like, like it's it, okay. That's right. Hold on. It's the worst gimmick I've ever seen wrestle on a paper. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, maybe I'm missing. Like, okay. Hold on. Let, let me rephrase that because I'll get attacked. Um, it's the worst non-racist sexist gimmick. Like, sure. I, that's an important. Uh, that is a, an important clarification to make. Yeah, but th- but those are bad for other reasons. Those are bad because like, you know, racism. This is bad because it is just the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Well, okay. Speaking of, um, so I actually was just reading some more about Kurgan. And I found out that he came in. Not only did he have way more wrestling experience than I thought he did. He debuted in 1989. I I thought he was like very, very, like he had basically almost a decade of wrestling experience at this point. Could have fooled me. Was still this bad. (laughs) I mean... I, I, he, had, absolute shit. he had less wrestling experience than Tenta did, but I don't think by that much. Um, and like Tenta is so much better than him. But he also, I did not remember this at the time, he debuted in WWF uh, the year before in a kind of weird racist gimmick. Oh, uh, no. the tr- Do you guys remember the Truth Commission? No. No. Where it was, like, supposed to be, like, um, they were, like, the white South African guys that were, like, going to take back their country. To, like, they were, like, the uh, like the fascist white South African guys. No. Uh, you guys not remember that? Yeah, that was their whole thing originally. That, that's bad. Uh, yeah. And uh, the guy who was, uh, like, the leader of that faction in WWF, none other then uh, Don Callis. That doesn't shock me. Yeah, it's Don Callis. It was, uh, went by the name The Jackal. Jackal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking Don he, Callis. He definitely came up with that name on his own. <laughs> yeah, but it's The Jackal but with a Y in it. It's J-A-C-K-Y-L. This is getting more and more cursed by the second. Yeah. No. The Truth Commission was on, like, one episode of Raw. Uh, but, yeah, I, I completely forgot that about Kurgan. Uh, he, yeah, he was, uh, he came in as the interrogator. That was his original ring name at WWE. Of course yeah, it was. Um, anyway, kind of got us off track with all this Kurgan trivia. We all agree the match sucked, though, right? Yes. Yeah, unequivocally. Actually, I yeah. thought it was kind of okay. No. Yeah. That, Angela loved that suplex. <laughs> I love when they walked. Or was there even a suplex? I don't know. My favorite yeah, I, part I, of the match is when it ended. Me too. There was like no bumps basically in this match, almost at all. Did anyone? Did anyone bump? I guess the th- I guess the headbangers bumped around a little bit for uh, the big boys because they had to. They were the two guys that could like kind of work a little bit. I hated uh, it. But yeah, you know what, Kurgan, you know, God bless him. He's had, ended up having a pretty successful uh, acting career by all accounts, and I've seen him a bunch of stuff, so good for him. Found his niche in his life. That's cool. Love that for him. Anyway, uh, so I love 
when you start out a wrestling theme song with like a, a sound effect or like even just like a, a short little catchphrase. But I, I love Owen Hart's theme song here where it's just it's he goes enough is enough and it's time for a change. And then his music starts playing. I love that. What the fuck was that? Like, what are you talking about, Owen Hart? That's Owen Hart's theme song. It's an Owen Hart match next up. But I just had to write that down because it's crazy. It's Owen Hart versus Steve Blackman. Owen Hart's, uh, of course, in his native country of Canada, where the Hart family are uh, beloved and revered still after all these years. Um, and, you know, Owen, as a Hart, gets a big response. He's a big baby face. And Steve Blackman comes in completely stone-faced, the lethal weapon. Um, this match is weird. Again, it's, it's just a kind of a thrown-together match, Steve Blackman versus Owen Hart. Uh, this match is kind of weird. It's a weird dynamic because Owen Hart comes in, and he's supposed to be the heel, but he's the one getting the babyface reaction. And by then, far. By far. Because they're in Canada. You know, he's going to get cheered. He's a heart. But... Um, Steve Blackman comes in, and even though Steve Blackman is like, you know, I, Steve Blackman's cool, but he's kind of a, a void of charisma, you know what I mean? He doesn't, like, really do anything to play to the crowd at all. Uh, they don't lean into that in any way. They just have Blackman working as the babyface, and Owen Hart kind of working as the chicken shit heel, and that's just kind of it for the whole match. Uh, so it's just a weird dynamic between that and the crowd. Um, the work itself is fine. It's one of the better matches on the show. I'm not going to say it's great or anything, but it's solid. Um, uh, early on in the match, Owen uh, comes off the middle rope and eats a boot from Blackman, and Blackman slides in and hits him with a baseball slide dropkick. Owen ends up getting the upper hand, hits a really, really nice-looking diving elbow off the top rope, uh, gets whipped into the corner and bounces back with a middle rope crossbody but Blackman rolls through it for a good near fall. The match really picks up pace and starts going. Owen uh, takes off a turnbuckle pad in the corner, but uh, Blackman reverses a whip and sends him into the exposed buckle. Owen winds up locking in the dragon sleeper. Blackman escapes. Owen goes up for a missile drop kick um, and misses. Blackman puts him from there into the sharpshooter, but Owen crawls to the rope. They and but then the end is really weird. Like you know, the match has been good; it's been picking up steam, and then the ending comes. They start fighting up the ramp, and then as the referee's count gets towards ten, Blackman, because he cares about winning the match, uh, as you do, uh, goes back into the ring, and Owen Hart just kind of says, "Screw this! I'm leaving," and he just walks away. And the referee counts him out, and Steve Blackman wins the match in 10 minutes and 38 seconds. I mean, I guess at least it was a wrestling match. Everything like, Owen did looked good. Yeah, it was a very typical Owen match. Yeah, like it's it's Owen's a great worker. I mean, like a like a all timer, you know. And Blackman was good. Like the caliber of the work itself, especially compared to most of the stuff that we have on the rest of the show is so much better, but I just, I, I, I cannot describe how much I hate finishes like this, where it's just like, okay, well, one of the two guys has just decided 
I, uh, you know, I don't care about winning this match. You know what so I want to see, what though? What was the point of this? Why did I watch all of this? I, I want to see a UFC guy do this. Like, <laughs> somebody, like, like somebody just enters the ring with Nagandu, and they're just like, you know what? Nah. Hop the fence. Just walk away. Yeah, they just hop the fence. Like, not to fight anybody, just to leave. They're just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to go to catering. I'm out. Did you guys notice Michael, yeah. Michael Cole was playing up the losing his hometown shtick? No, what's, what's he saying? Yeah, that? Michael was saying, oh, he's got to lose in his hometown or some other, like, so, along those lines, the Vince, cla- the classic Vince, make a guy lose in their hometown to get heat. Uh, David, who was the bla- Blue Blazer when it wasn't Owen? Um, no, no, I don't know this answer. I just, I, I just assume oh. David would know. <laughs> who was the Blue Blazer when it wasn't Owen? Because um, he comes out uh, later in the show, and he also, like, again, in those promo packages showing the intense feud between Steve Blackman and Owen Hart, you see the Blue Blazer attack everybody. I know one of the times it was Blackman in disguise, but Blue Blazer does come out with Owen at one point. Yeah, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I'm stunned. We have a piece uh, of really do this information. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did it one time where it was. No, you know what? I think it was. I think it was Jeff Jarrett. Now that I think about it, I think they did it one time where it was like the blue, like, like, like they were trying to like prove that Owen is the Blue Blazer, so they yeah. had him show up with the Blue Blazer. But I'm pretty sure the Blue Blazer huh. was Jarrett. I, I believe that. I, I, I don't want to like. I don't want to. I don't want to say this. And then, like, look it up. I want someone else to, like, don't take my word for it. Angela, look it up. I'm looking it up right now, so fill, fill the air. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, towards, towards Jake's point uh, about, like, seeing that in an MMA fight where someone just is like, actually, I'm out. I'm going to leave. Uh, I've heard of that happening one time, like, back in, like, the mid-90s. Um, there's a guy named Joe Son who... Fought in the UFC in like the very early, early UFCs. Was best known as a UFC fighter for being like the reason why they ended up banning groin strikes because he got punched in the dick a ton of times once. Oh, and God. they were like, oh, we don't have rules against this. So we had to just let it happen. Um, and later uh, was in an Austin Powers movie and is now uh, in, uh, in prison for life, I think, for rape. Um, That's not good. He was in a fight one time. Where, like, the guy, like, punched him in the face, and, like, he was like, actually, you know what, screw this, I'm gonna leave, and he just left. And on his record, it said, submission, quote, or, uh, parentheses, terror. No, it does not. You can look it up, it's actually a real thing. I'm not making that up. Alright, so, throughout this few, uh, the storyline, because it did involve, like, Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett combined, uh, so, it was Jarrett this time as the Blue Blazer, David is correct. But also, to prove that it wasn't either Jarrett or Owen, another person was in the blue uh, blazer gear, except this was a black man, as opposed to Owen or uh, Jeff Jarrett being white. That was uh, Coco Beware, who had put on the blue blazer mask. Coco Beware, Owen's former tag team partner in, uh, was it High Energy, I think was the name of the tag team? I do not know that. that. I think it was called High Energy. Something but, like that. But yes, yeah, so it was it was Jeff Jarrett under the blue blazer mask when it was not Owen. Okay. 
Well, that's great. David you know wins what? a trophy. Yes, and it was, and the tag team was called High Energy. I'm on my shit today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm on my trivia shit today. Uh, next up, uh, we've got this this weird angle with Vince and The Rock and Mankind is going to continue. Uh, we have Vince storming around the backstage area looking for Mankind, and he goes into the uh, the the arena's boiler room, which has like a you know. Mankind's office, like, uh, sign on it. And Mankind calls him in, calls Vince dad, and then he's like, sit down, we need to talk about some business. And then it cuts away as they start to talk to each other. There's going to be like five more segments of this. Next up, a six-man tag match. It is, this is a gimmick we have not seen on the show, the Job Squad. The uh, the Jabroni faction, the We Are Jabronis and We Are Proud of It faction. It is Al Snow, uh, the head gimmick, moderately over at this point. Bob Holly, who this is right after he had buzzed his hair and become the guy that we all remember as Hardcore Holly. He finally starts really looking like that guy because before then he had a mullet forever. And uh, big time, two and a half marks podcast favorite. And... To my absolute delight, huge 2021 indie wrestling darling, Two Cold Scorpio. I love that he is an indie <laughs> star now. Yeah. Like he's on all these shows. It's like Two Cold Scorpio's everywhere now. It's how, awesome. How long until he's on AEW? I I he's I, been, I, hasn't I, he? I really no, he hasn't been. I'm pretty sure. I don't think. So. I, I, I thought he wrestled like one match on like one of the first couple. I don't think that he has, uh, but I think that they should bring him in. I mean, they fucking brought Hoovy in. They brought uh, Nick Gage in. Like what? Yeah, I mean, they brought those guys in. They're bringing in all these like guys from the GCW crowd. I just heard tonight they off they uh, offered a contract to freaking Lee Moriarty tonight at, at AEW. Had a banger so, match like, with Dante Martin two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yes, Lee Moriarty, terrific worker, and I'm very excited to see what he does next. But like, to bring in all the GCW guys. Bring in Scorp. Uh, but, yeah, it is Al Snow, Bob Holly, and Scorpio taking on the freaking Brood. One of the coolest gimmicks of all time. Edge, Christian, and Gangrel as the spooky vampire guys. I love this. I've always loved this gimmick. They're really cool. Uh, we don't get the whole entrance, though, because we don't get them, like, rising through the stage uh, with, like, the ring of, like, fire around them, which completes one of the coolest entrances of all time. We just have the red light and the uh, cool theme music. Um, uh, Gangrel starts out the match uh, with the, uh, the quote-unquote blood on his face that he was drinking out of the, uh, the cup. Um, Holly, uh, very early in the match, does the deal and hits uh, Edge with the Falcon Arrow. Nobody kicks out of the Falcon Arrow, but Edge kicks out of this Falcon Arrow. Edge comes back with an electric chair dropped into a face buster. The Actually, the quality of work in this match is very good. I, I really liked this match. Um, Christian and Gangrel are both wrestling in the long, white, flowy shirt, but Edge is not. So not great synergy here between this team. Um, Christian eats a uh, double underhook slam, and then Scorpio hits his cool 450 leg drop off the middle rope. Snow comes in, hits a great bridging Northern Lights and a wheelbarrow suplex on Gangrel. Snow, uh, the Brood wind up taking over and they get the heat on Snow for a while. 
Fortunately, the crowd pretty dead for this match. Scorpio gets the hot tag, but gets cut off very quickly because he does what you never do uh, in a hot during a hot tag, and it's like he does one move and then tries to pin the guy. You never do that during a hot tag. Um, then goes for a Piscato to the outside, misses. Eventually, it all breaks down. They all start running in, chaos everywhere. Snow lays out Christian with the head. Scorpio hits uh, his moonsault leg drop, but Edge breaks up the pin. Edge hits a really cool dive where he steps off of Christian's back and leaps over the top rope, takes out two guys. And then Christian hits the unprettier on Scorpio, and he gets the pin and wins the match, the Brood victorious in nine minutes and eight seconds. I thought this one was pretty fun. This was the second, was the second best match on the card. Did you uh, did you guys hear what they call it, or I think it was what Michael Cole called the unprettier? I love when he does it like, this. Didn't he just call it that move? Yep, I love when he does it. Like, when <laughs> I don't know the, the, like, the name of a, of a move, they're just like, oh, there's that move. Yeah, he hit him with that move. They, they don't yeah, care. Yeah. The fans don't care what the name of the move is. Just say stuff. Uh, yeah, this was good. This was, I, I would say it's good. I mean, if you compare it to everything else, uh, <laughs> I was yeah. just, <laughs> you married everything else. Sure. I was uh, kind of surprised at the pop, the job squad got, I, mean, I was like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, and they're three guys who I kind of enjoy watching. Like they're all good workers in the ring. Uh, the sent on leg drop by Scorp was just impeccable. The guy is insane. It's 1998 Scorpio still very cool. I thought it was interesting that edge was the only one that didn't look uh, that that stood out from the brood. Like it's clear that Edge is like the main guy in the faction, even though he's not the true leader. I feel like you get this is going to be the breakout star vibes from Edge. Yes, time, even then, like you can tell that he's going to kind of be the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, and Christian's good in this match too. I mean, this is very young Christian. It's weird seeing him with long hair, but you know, it's still a Christian match. Christian's fun to watch. Gangrel can take or leave. Yeah. Um, Gangrel looks like uh, like a hip office manager. Yes, <laughs> like 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 he's the guy that comes to work with his shirt untucked because it's cool. Yeah, he's he's just a cool guy, you know. What, what can you say? I'm also pretty also, sure Michael Cole got Edge and Christian switched up on the entrance. I'm pretty sure. Did he? I, th- I, I think so. I, th- I think so. Oh, uh, I don't oh, well. know. Actually, maybe. I mean, they are um, brothers, so. They are they are brothers. We do know this. Uh, they are in fact brothers. Um, yeah, I just I love the fact that like I, I I'm always excited to see Scorp because he's cool as shit to watch and he was way ahead of his time. But again, I I, I know he mentioned it already. Uh, I just cannot get enough of the fact that like the <laughs> in 2021, Too Cold Scorpio is like an indie darling still, and he's like he, and like you know he does all these cool moves then. You watch him now, he's 55 years old, and he's still doing all the same moves. I'm actually more shocked that he's only 55. Yeah, he's only 55 years old. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've had him on shows from, like, like 1991 on here. I was going to say, yeah, we definitely had him all the way back then, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, like, in WCW. Uh, but, like, yeah, maybe he's just going to be the new PCO. Maybe we're going to get him on, like, Ring of Honor. I'd, ha- I'd be happy with be that. Awesome. Um, I would, I would listen if I, uh, when we went to Madison square garden, I was going crazy for PCO. You know who I would have been going crazy for at Madison square garden to cool. And yeah, uh, 
Gangrel is one of those guys, like, I've gotten the chance to, like, be, like, ringside for a Gangrel match just on, like, an indie show before. And, like, he's one of those guys that just kind of, like, is actually, like, like, just kind of knows how to work a crowd. And is, like, one of those veteran guys that just kind of knows what he's doing, even though he doesn't do a whole lot. And, you know, by all accounts, I know a lot of people that know him, and apparently he's a great guy. And I've heard that when you call him, he op- he answers the phone as uh, Vampire. He says, hey, it's Vampire. <laughs> you you told us that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, he just says, hey, it's Vampire. I love a guy that's committed to the gimmick. Yeah, it's cool. He's, dude's just a fucking vampire. Whereas Michael Cole says he uh, abides by a gothic lifestyle. Yeah, and what does he drink? He drinks blood. Yeah. No, that's not what Michael Cole said. He, he drinks, drinks a viscous a red, red a liquid. viscous red fluid. Or liquid. <laughs> I fucking hate Michael Cole so much. <laughs> anyway, next up, uh, it is Jeff Jarrett versus Goldust. And this is a match that has some stakes. Uh, Jeff Jarrett. And uh, so Jeff Jarrett is accompanied by Deborah. Lena at the time was still married to Stone Cold, I think. Uh, but Jeff Jarrett is wrestling Goldust. If Goldust wins, Deborah has to strip for the crap. But if Jeff Jarrett wins, Goldust is going to strip for the crowd, ladies and gentlemen. We may get to see Dustin Rhodes' ass tonight. Um, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, I, I really <laughs> want to get... Jeff Jarrett's t-shirt that just said don't piss me off. (laughs) (laughs) I really want that shirt so bad. That's the type of shirt that like Ricky Marsky would have worn in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) That just says don't piss me off. Under his trench coat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The crowd actually, so like this is the first time that like Jeff Jarrett has walked to the ring and people have cheered, but they're not cheering for him. The fans are cheering for Deborah. Deborah, easy. Because they they want to see her strip if if they lose if if he loses. And tonight, Goldust is the big hero. Um, this is just kind of a match. It's two guys who are genuinely very good workers. The work the work is fine. It's kind of a back and forth match. You know, you don't really get the sense in the match itself that there's any real added stakes. They're just kind of going through it. Um. Michael Cole says at least four times that Deborah is looking, and I quote, mighty fine. He says mighty fine at least four times. Great. Uh, Fantastic content. Great dialogue. It's like, I would just rather have uh, Jerry the King Lawler just screaming and squealing like a freaking, (laughs) like a pig about how he wants to see her titties. I would rather have that. Then Michael Cole Shut saying, the fuck up, she's dude. looking mighty fine tonight. Don't worry, because you got both. <laughs> I would rather have that. I would rather have weird, creepy, horny grandfather JR <laughs> mumbling under his breath about how good Deborah looks tonight than this Michael Cole shit. It's so bad. Um, we have a very long chin lock spot. Uh, Goldust eventually stirs and uh, slams his way out of it. Uh, there's one point where Goldust uh, gets the pin, um, but Deborah is distracting the ref, and the ref doesn't see it. We then get a big Goldust comeback. He's going to go for Shattered Dreams, the big nut shot in the corner, but Deborah runs in and like tries to distract him by kind of like sauntering up to him and like feeling him up a little bit. 
and he says, be gone, thought, and he boots the hell out of Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's nuts. Destroys him. Um, then while the referee is turned around, Deborah smashes the guitar over Goldust's head, and Jeff Jarrett gets the pin and wins the match in eight minutes and two seconds. So, no, uh, no TNA for the fans. We're going to have to watch Dustin Rhodes strip instead, which I'm honestly more interested in seeing personally. I want to see Dustin's ass. But no, we have Shawn Michaels, who is the WWF commissioner at this time, who is vacillating wildly between babyface and heel multiple times on this show. He's a babyface here, at least for the fans. He comes out and says, hey, congrats, by the way. Jeff, you can go backstage, but Deborah, I, I need you here for a second. Uh, so I was watching the match, and I actually saw that you hit Goldust with the guitar. Uh, and so I'm going to retroactively rule this a disqualification. Goldust wins, and that's right, Deborah is going to have to strip. And um, she, you know, she puts on a happy face and starts to do it. Um, Shawn Michaels at one point pulls out a $100 bill from his wallet, and he puts it in Deborah's bra. And they keep cutting back to Jeff Jarrett, like, watching TV and, like, freaking out backstage. Like, he can't do that. What's going on? And then eventually him and uh, the Blue Blazer uh, run out and uh, cover up Deborah as uh, she's about to take her top off. And they usher her backstage. And that's the end of the segment. The crowd, listen, the crowd was invested in gold dust. They... Yeah. Wanted him to win, and like, I, I assume it's because they wanted to see Deborah naked, but I think it's also at least partially because they were like, we can see them making Gold Dust strip. Oh yeah, that would have been very much in his character to just do that. Yeah, yeah. and like, <laughs> and they would have to confront a lot of answers about a lot of things that happened. <laughs> I think the best part of this entire segment. Was Shawn Michael just that soundbite of him yelling, I love my job? <laughs> Somebody make that a TikTok sound. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is classic. I mean, this is real 98. This is just very degrading. Definitely you know? not PC. <laughs> it's very degrading. And it's just, it's weird and uncomfortable to watch. This, is, this whole thing it. was here. This whole thing was here. To get Deborah to strip. That was it. Uh, that was the single vehicle purpose of this match. That was it. And and you it it hits all the beats too. It yeah. hits all the beats that you expect. It's like the woman, like initially she doesn't want to strip, but then she does it very enthusiastically. Yeah. And it's like right when she's about to show us the good stuff, uh her angry, like angry, jealous heel boyfriend runs out and covers her up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all the same beats that they've always hit. It's the same thing as, like, they, they were even doing it with, like, you know, almost 10 years later with Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox, remember, back in the day? They're doing the <laughs> oh, same God. Shit. It's always the exact same thing. It was the same thing with Sergeant Slaughter in the in the, in the the one thing. Remember when uh, Sergeant Slaughter materialized out of nowhere? And yes. it up? Yeah. Whatever show that was, the, like, the the pool match or whatever it was. I can't remember, but, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It was, like a, it was, like, an evening gown match in a pool or whatever. I don't remember. But it's all it's always the same thing every time. And the crowd always went crazy for it every single time. They <laughs> bought it hook, line, and sinker every time. It's crazy. 
We then get a great ad. <laughs> you see the WWF Cologne ad? <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing my rear... WWF Cologne ad? Was laughing my ass off. I'm like, WWF Cologne is the dumbest shit. Not just Cologne. Also, Oi de Telette. Whatever. I can't pronounce it. It's French. Just... It's so... Ugh. I I, I struggle to comprehend how that sold. It obviously didn't. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to see if... You could buy like if there's a price on eBay or something. Please let there be. I can't even find it on the internet. I I cannot even find the WWF. David has never been able to not find anything on the internet. I'm gonna have to look for the the WWF cologne. I'm gonna have to really look for it because I I there's got to be somewhere. There's got to be somewhere you can Someone buy somewhere did buy cologne. that. I will bet money on that. David, okay. David's going to disappear for like two weeks here in a, in a couple months. And he's going to show back up wearing like a bounty hunter suit. And he's just going to be like holding the WWF cologne. Next time like, I see you boys. guys, I'm going to show up <laughs> smelling absolutely disgusting. And I'm be like, guys, I finally got the WWF cologne. It's from 1998. It said on the bottle it'd make me smell like Mr. Ass. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> this great WWF cologne ad. Speaking of Mr. Ass, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> New Age Outlaws. <laughs> the New Age Outlaws are defending the tag titles in this next match against Big Boss Man and Ken Shamrock, the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, and Shawn Michaels, who five seconds ago was a babyface, fighting for the uh, the working men and women in the crowd to see Deborah Strip, is now a heel, buddying around with uh, Boss Man and uh, Boss Man and Ken Shamrock against the pretty over as they were at the time, New Age Outlaws. Then Outlaws come out, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, they do the shtick. Everyone loves it. Um, this is a very long, very slow, very, very boring match that I could barely pay attention to. Um, I did like the one line that Jerry the King Lawler had where he said, and I quote, uh, these Canadian fans are so stupid. They think OJ Simpson is Bart's father. <laughs> like that one. I miss that I liked one. that one. David's such a Simpsons mark. I'm a huge Simpsons mark. Uh, Shamrock is kind of the one guy consistently kicking ass and doing stuff when he's in the ring. We have Sean ringside talking shit the whole time. Shamrock puts uh, Road Dog in a front face lock at one point, nearly chokes him out. They do the, you know, lift the uh, arm and let it fall three times spot. He just gets it up on the third one. They get the heat on road dog for what feels like a half hour. I mean, it's absolutely interminable after about 10 minutes of them beating up road dog road dog finally tags in Mr. Ass, Billy gun. Billy gets the quick little hot tag. He basically the only cool spot in the match where he uh, catches shamrock out of the air on a drop kick and power bombs him. Uh, but Sean pulls the referee out of the ring. And while the ref's out of the ring, Boss man beats everyone up with his baton. <sighs> Ref gets back in, late cover, slow counts, and a kick out. And the finish of the match comes 
when uh, Billy Gunn winds up reversing a Ken Shamrock suplex, lands on him and gets the pin, um, and they, they have Ken kind of accidentally giving Sean a shot in the face uh, with his feet on the way up, um, or, or Billy, rather. And uh, Billy Gunn gets the pin and wins the match to retain the titles for the New Age Outlaws in 17 minutes and four seconds. I was surprised. Oh, it sucked. I was surprised to see, like, once I loaded up uh, Wikipedia for this, just to, like, you know, paste the ma- paste the podcast, that this went 17 minutes. Because... Yes. And 15 of that was the Getting Heat segment that David talked about. Yeah, it's just Road Dog getting the crap beat out of him. There's, like, seven front face locks. And, like, there's a moment where Sean, like pokes him and says, I'm just poking him to see if he's still alive. But yeah, this this was another really shitty match. Just like the hot tag was there for a minute. The pin was kind of weird. Like, I'm not against like a very surprise pin, but this one kind of felt eh, forced. Also, did the shield steal Big Boss Man's look? No one's yes, talking about debatable. it. No one's it's talking about it, but we should. Style icon Big Boss Man. Big Boss Man's OG outfit was better. The oh, baby blues, where he was just in the like the sh- like the the like kind of police guard or the, yeah, uh, the prison guard outfit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, like if we're talking about like guys and like how they look, can we put Road Dog in like 1999 Limp Biscuit? Yes, he's a perfect fit. I absolutely think so. I've been watching a lot of Limp Biscuit because I watched their set at Lollapalooza. This is now a Limp Biscuit podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, I've been watching a lot of Limp Biscuit and t- thinking a lot about West Borland. Um, I just want to see Road Dog kind of like headbang with West Borland. I'll be honest. I would rather talk about Limp Biscuit than talk about this match. Limp Biscuit's good. They're fine. It's like Nickelback. Like, is Nickelback objectively good? No, but like, they're not awful. I like Nickelback. Nickelback's they're good. They're, they're, like, they're, they're like, you throw it on. It's like, oh, this is good background music. It's driving so did music. You, did you, Jake? Did you watch the Woodstock ninety uh, Woodstock ninety nine documentary? Because I heard it. Yes. Sucked. Yeah, it's a it, like wait the show or the documentary. I heard the documentary sucked. Yes, the documentary sucks. <laughs> okay. Good. Yes, I'm glad. We'll talk. Re- remind me to talk about that after the show with you. Okay. I just we'll discuss you know, it. <laughs> a ton of people were talking about it when it came out, and like you know, Woodstock ninety nine is one of those things that it's really interesting to read about. Yeah. So I wanted to know if it, watching it would be worth it. Doesn't nope. sound really it. Talk okay. to me after the show. I'll hook you up. Okay, sounds good. I appreciate that. But yeah, uh, much like Woodstock '99, this was this match was a bloated disaster that ended unsatisfyingly for anybody. <laughs> um, good segue. And, that was good. Uh, New Age Outlaws win. Uh, Road Dog, who is uh, Road Dog, is like the only white guy ever who's allowed to wear braids like that. Only, only, only guy to ever be able to do it. Um, so, okay, so this is where all these weird little backstage vignettes with uh, The Rock and Mankind and Vince and Shane, it all builds up to this point right here. So next up, yes. So it is a pay-per-view named after The Rock. And The Rock is the world champion... And he's in a title match. But he's not the main event, which is really weird. This is actually the second to last match on the show. It is The Rock defending the title against Mankind. 
the Rock comes out. Mankind comes out first. The Rock comes out second with Vince and Shane McMahon in tow. And uh, we have a, a quick little vignette before this where Vince is talking to The Rock. He says, hey, I've talked to Mankind. Mankind just wants to, like, deal with some business and wants me to sign something and just do it out front of everybody in there in the ring. And then we can just, you know, get all this out of the way and just do the match and we'll be fine. Uh, so... Mankind says in the ring now, right before the match starts, he says, uh, right here in my contract, it says uh, that the rock, if the rock is unfit to wrestle, if the title is mine, I just need you to sign that. And also, uh, you know, I didn't submit at the Survivor Series. So the previous Survivor Series, the month before, they had done the Montreal screw job finish, basically, where the rock had him in the. Uh, Rock had him in the sharpshooter, and they called for the bell, even though Mankind had not tapped out. And Mankind says, I will put a line through that clause, and I will say, I will get rid of the clause in the contract where it says that if Rock is unfit to wrestle, I get the title. If you admit right here and now that I did not submit, and you never heard me say the words, I quit, and Vince refuses to admit it, so Mankind gets mad, and he rips up the contract, and then The Rock just attacks him from behind, and then the match starts. So all of this shit was for nothing and no purpose. And we're just having the match with, like, it's no any additional strings attached to it at all. The Rock doesn't even really sell the ribs, which he, you know, was his kayfabe injury. doesn't even really sell them after, like, maybe the three-minute mark of this match. And it was like, wow, this whole thing was just a waste of time, which is really cool. Extreme today WWE energy here. No, I mean, oh, like, yeah. they don't even really do this kind of shit now, honestly. Um, but it's just it's just stupid, honestly. Um, the match itself, when they're actually wrestling, is solid. It's pretty good. Um, they brawl around everywhere. Um, very early on in this match, they go over ringside, they're, you know, fighting, and, you know, Mankind is kind of teasing that he's going to try and put him through the announce table. Uh, they end up getting back into the ring, and Vince McMahon gets on the mic, and he starts yelling at the referee, Mike Kyoto, and he says, you know, the next time that Mankind does anything like that, disqualify him. I want you to disqualify him. He says, for any legitimate reason, disqualify him. Which, like, also doesn't make sense to me because it's like if he does something that is against the rules, he's getting disqualified. Supposed to disqualify him? Isn't that how that works? Right? Right? Yeah, right? usually. That's, you that's think. How wrestling works, right? Okay, I, I I don't get this part of it. Uh, but we end up we keep going. Um, Rock takes the advantage afterward. He uh, chokes him with a cord, suplexes him on the floor. Mankind baseball slide drop kicks him. He goes up to do a big dive to the outside. Shane McMahon runs over, grabs his foot, uh, so he can't take off. And then Rock jumps up and like kind of flips him off the turnbuckle, and he turns all the way over and lands on the floor with a big splat. Uh, Rock is uh, you know feeling himself after this. He gets on the announcer headset. And is like you know talking onto the is like talking onto the broadcast while uh, kind of beating him up a little bit 
and then he spits water in Mankind's face, and Mankind jumps over the table at him. They get back in the ring. Rock hits the people's elbow, but Mankind kicks out. Mankind comes back, hits a swinging neck breaker, and then goes for, like, uh, kind of the Jeff Hardy leg drop, where he kind of leg drops him in the nuts a little bit, but usually the referee looks in, looks the other way. But then Vince says, no, DQ him. DQ him right now. It was a low blow. Um, so before Mike Chioda can ring the bell, uh, Mankind pile drives Mike Chioda. And then before Vince can just tell the timekeeper, hey, ring the bell, uh, Mankind goes and attacks the timekeeper and, like, throws him, he, like, throws him into the, into the barricade. So we keep going. Rock hits him with a chair, hits him with a rock bottom. There's no referee to count. Shane brings in the WWF title belt, takes a swing at Mankind, but misses, accidentally hits the rock. New referee, Tim White, slides in. Uh, Mankind goes for the pin, but Rock kicks out at two. Rock hits a float over DDT for a near fall. Mankind hits a double arm DDT for a near fall. Pulls out Mr. Sacco. Locks in the mandible claw. The Rock is fighting it, but he ends up going out. And Tim White rings the bell. It looks like Mankind has won because the Rock cannot continue. In 13 minutes and 32 seconds, Mankind's music plays. The fans are going crazy. Vince McMahon gets on the mic and says, you have to win by pinfall or submission to win the title. And The Rock was not pinned. And he did not submit. So he is still the champion. Mankind loses his shit, gets mad, puts Vince in the mandible claw. Shane hits him with a chair a couple times. No sells it. Puts Shane in the mandible claw. He beats up the Stooges, Patterson and Briscoe. uh, Crowd cheers for that. But eventually, Big Boss Man and Ken Shamrock run in. And they three-on-one with The Rock. uh, Beat the shit out of Mankind. And that's the, uh, the end of the whole deal. That was a lot of shit you just said. It's a lot of shit that I said, and honestly, none of it made sense, and it was all shitty and boring. What the hell? Yeah. What the hell is that dusty finish? Like, what the hell is that? Oh, he didn't actually submit. He, you literally beat him to the point where he could not continue. Therefore, you are not the champion. What kind of backwards ass logic is that? Like, what in what universe? In what reality does that make sense? Yeah, Jake, I just beat the crap out of you, but because you didn't say you quit, you didn't lose. Yeah, I have no idea. Fucking yeah. stupid, man. Part of my French. Yeah, I I didn't I mean, I don't know. Like they had they had better matches. You know what I mean? They've they've had better matches, they would go on to have better matches. I I just it's I I wanna like it, right? I wanna like it because it's rock and mankind. But there's just not much to, like, latch onto here. There's about two minutes towards the end where, like, the work is pretty good. And they, they trade a few near falls, and it's it's looking pretty fun. Um, and then we get into this finish. And, like, you know, the crowd goes crazy when they think Mankind is one, and then they do this dusty bullshit. Yeah, like, the last... it's just a, it's a wet fart. The last three minutes where, like, you get those near falls, you have the title shot, you have, like, Shane doing dumb things, and then you have, like, again, the match ending with The Rock not being able to continue, it, it, it built up pretty darn well. Like, I, I kind of, like, was like, oh, crap, this is actually really exciting stuff that's going on. And then the finish happens, 
And it's like the crowd kind of knew that somehow, some way, Vince was going to insert himself and just kind of screw, do some screwy shit. And that's what happened. And it sucked. I mean, like, this match means nothing. It's also why it was here, not the main event, even though the event is called Rock Bottom, even though it's for the world title. It's here because Vince was going to screw it up somehow. And this was screwed up. It was bad. It sucks. I'll say this, though, for the corporation. Really good at getting heat and really good at helping guys get over. Not like mankind needed help, but like it really solidifies him as like a white hot baby face. Like, look at what happens when he wins the title. I guess I don't know. I just but like those were the feuds. The the corporate feuds, like the rock. I mean, back when the rock was in corporate, Stone Cold, Mankind, Taker feud with them too. Like they were always the foil to the good guy, and that they made the good guy look that much more good. Yeah, but like, I, and I have nothing else to say about this. This was just—it was here. I didn't understand it well enough to like care about it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, good of, job explaining it, though, David. Great I job, did my great best. work. I mean, I was watching this today, really honestly, trying like working hard trying to figure out what the fuck was going on, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like talking through it now, I understand it a little more. But I still don't really get what was going on. Still not great. Like, no, it's it's still not great. I, I did not enjoy it, I have to say. Um, and I also have very bad news. Apparently, the uh, the PWI 500 just dropped for this year. And once again, I did not make the PWI 500. I am outraged. Wait, who's number one? Roman or something? Kenny. Kenny. Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. It goes Kenny, Roman, Lashley, top three. Ooh, Lashley third? My That's man. a hot take. Bobby Lashley. I mean, David, if he looks like money. He looks like money. He smells like money. All right, P. Leo Rush. He's not dead. Oh, He's shit. just, like, gone. I feel like the Leo Rush-Bobby Lashley partnership, like, if you looked it up, it probably lasted, like, three months. But I never, I loved ever, ever, I never, ever stopped thinking about it. He was a baby face, and they were trying to make him a heel by uh, Leo Rush just going, Lashley, Lashley. Lashley. It was great, honestly. It was actually so good. It was, like, the most entertaining, like, manager work that the WWE has had in years. And it was just Leo Rush saying shit in his, like, squeaky voice. I, it was so <laughs> fucking fun. Um, yeah. I always, I always think about that all the time whenever I see Bobby Lashley. So, next up, we finally come to our main event. It is The Undertaker, and it is Stone Cold Steve Austin in a Buried Alive match. And if you don't know what a Buried Alive match is, it is exactly what it sounds like. You got to put the guy in a hole and you got to bury him alive. And we have a big pit on the side of the entrance way, like a big mound of dirt and grass and a, uh, a grave and a pretty neat looking custom headstone, too, for Taker versus Austin. Um, I've always wanted, have you guys ever seen like videos and pictures of like the WWE, like, like warehouse where they have yes. props and stuff. I've always wanted to like, they really should like give tours of that. I would love to see stuff like that in real life. Like this custom tombstone that they had for this match. That's a great idea. Actually. 
Do they still they have, have it in there? Somewhere? They still have it like open. Like, is that like a tourist thing? No, I, I, no, I, I'm saying that they should give tours. I don't think they do. Oh, okay. I okay. In the past, but I feel like that would be so cool to see. Like, if they had like a physical like WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, like which they need. Where they why don't they have that? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I feel like that's something they had like vaguely talked about plans for in the past, and then just never did anything with. It would definitely would be a money maker. So cool. Because I mean, it costs you know, money to build, and you know that doesn't give you the overhead. You have to wait time for that, and Vince is too old. The amount of just sweet memorabilia that they have that I would just love to stare at all day. Yeah, God no, I, I that, that it, it's a great idea, but it's never going to happen. I know. I, I know realistically it's not. I mean, it has the same chance of happening as NXT Japan does of finally happening, but still. Doesn't mean Was I that, can't wait, is that a thing? I would, that was a uh, thing. They, they wanted to make it a thing, and they're not going to make it a thing. Aww. Yeah, they're, they're, apparently they wanted to buy all Japan and just turn that into NXT Japan, and it didn't work out. Um, or something like that. Anyway, it is Taker and Austin buried alive match. And we got some issues heading into this match. Meltzer is reporting that Undertaker enters this match having been working on a broken ankle for months. That explains a lot. Also reporting that Austin had really been laid up over the past week with a serious, like seriously suffering from a uh, bad intestinal virus and had barely eaten for the past week. (laughs) I'm never going to shit his britches. Early in the match, they brawl over uh, the ramp. Um, They go over to the big mound of dirt. And according to Meltzer, Austin takes a bump on this kind of uneven surface. I would never want to take a bump on an uneven surface like that. And he uh, tears his oblique muscle. And so he is working with a fresh injury throughout this match. And I feel like as it goes on, you can tell that he's using his right side less and less. You know what I mean? And he's looking more and more ragged as it goes on. Um, But yeah, uh, like I said, they start brawling everywhere. This is another match that's long and slow and boring. Um, They are, they fight in the ramp. They fight in the, they fight in the ring. It's kind of the same, you know, a lot of punches and kicks. Like Austin does one Fez press. It's like as much of a wrestling move as we get is like the one Fez press from Austin. Um, they uh, fight in the, uh, like they like they fight back towards the grave. Uh, Austin gets absolutely filthy. I mean, he is, you know, in his, just his gear. He's in his, just his trunks and He's got his bald head. His bald head is covered in dirt. His entire body is covered in dirt. He looks freaking... He ends up getting really disgusting. Um, And this is just kind of boring. You know, uh, Taker hits him with, like, a really, really bad choke slam where you can tell, like, Taker knew that Austin was hurting. So he tried to get him up and kind of do it in a brotherly fashion and kind of (laughs) let him down easy and, like, kind of let him down soft but still do the move. And it just looks like the worst choke slam he's ever done in his life. And they just kind of, you know, they just kind of keep brawling and they just sort of exchange locations. Um, <laughs> uh, Taker throws Stone Cold into the grave, but winds up just kind of standing there, 
staring into space and then taking too long to shovel in the dirt and then Austin gets out. Austin hits him with a like a metal gas can that's there for some reason. Hits him with a stone cold stunner and Taker falls into the grave. Dumps a wheelbarrow full of dirt on him but needs more dirt. So Austin walks backstage and disappears. Taker ends up getting up uh, and just sort of starts sitting there. He has a shovel in hand. The announcers are speculating, oh, he's going to ambush Austin when he comes back. And then behind him, there is an explosion of fireworks from the grave. And all of a sudden, Kane appears. Kane emerges from the grave, supposedly. And he starts fighting his brother, the Undertaker. Kane tombstones him and tosses Undertaker into the grave as Stone Cold, after several minutes just being off screen, finally reappears from backstage with a backhoe that is loaded up with dirt. Um, he leads it over to the grave. It takes forever to actually dump any of the dirt on the Undertaker because, like, it can't actually get up this steep hill. And I don't think the guy actually, like, driving it could actually see where he was dumping it so it takes a while for this guy to figure it out which is better that he took longer and actually got the dirt on the undertaker than just dumped it and missed completely i guess but either way it still sucks and so he dumps like a decent amount of dirt on the undertaker but not enough to fully bury him and then the under and then, and then austin kind of stands there everyone just kind of stands there and looks at each other for a minute and then they play a Stone Cold's music, and he cracks a beer, and everyone celebrates because Stone Cold just won. And that's the end of the match. In a 21 minutes and 30 seconds, Stone Cold buries about 30% of The Undertaker alive, but wins the Buried Alive match. Like, but, like, what is the limit? Like, where? how much of it do you have to have Buried to win? Was that ever I, specified? Not really i guess but i figure it's implied that you have to at least fully cover the guy in dirt i think i think it should be you have to cover them until they can't get out and then you've committed murder yeah <laughs> that's the limit people people do all you know, these buried alive matches where it's like no the guy needs to actually die yeah no like otherwise he's not buried alive like that that's the namesake of the match you know Thank yeah. God they pivoted to, like, coffin matches, because at least the coffin match, you get the very, like, nice satisfaction of slamming the coffin lid down on somebody. Buried There's no al- ambiguity. Yeah. Buried Alive sounds cool, and then you watch it, and it's even more disappointing than the exploding barbed wire deathmatch put on by AEW earlier this year. <laughs> like, that shit just blew up like a dud, and just looks funny and cartoony and just pathetic. But the satisf- – like, there's no satisfaction here. Like – it takes forever to get the dirt set up. He dumps the dirt in. It barely fills the hole. You have like Stone Cold kind of half shovel, half hardly shovel some more dirt in. You have the them try and desperately scoop more dirt or pile more dirt in in the hole, and they can't flip and do it. It just looks so stupid. It's so yeah. dumb. There's it's so anticlimactic. It just awful. And half of this match, and David, you did a great job describing it, but it, half this match. Is literally them grabbing each other and grunting. Yeah, and th- there's not. The, there's nothing. There's nothing in like, this match. It's they grab each other and grunt, and then they throw worked punches at each other, and then they go like they go from here to there to there again, 
and then back to the grave, <laughs> and they just kind of cycle through different backdrops for them grunting and punching each other, because that's really all they can physically do, because both of them are physically very messed up. And, and they don't even explore the space that much. It's mostly just around <laughs> the mound of dirt and in the ring. It's just back and forth between those two spots. Yeah, so David is very sad about the... On exploring the space. It's big. It's important. Yeah, the... Uh... <laughs> I, for one, love watching two visibly hurt guys just punch each other. It's great. That's why I watch UFC, you know? Yeah. That's why I watch Greg Hardy UFC fights. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this match made me want to go watch Greg Hardy tied to Ivasa just to get a happy ending. Yes. That is, like, the greatest, like... That is the greatest pure baby face moment of all time. <laughs> <laughs> tied to Ivasa. <laughs> But yeah, no, this match like there's zero entertainment value. There's zero entertainment value. The the only entertainment value that comes from this match is the entrances. The yeah. Stone Cold is over and Taker is really cool. And obviously, you know, Paul Bearer is there. I love Paul Bearer. That's it. The only entertainment value of this match is done with by the time the bell rings. You know what's a good match? That one that Taker had with AJ Styles, the Boneyard match. Yes, the Boneyard match is great. I mean, that was basically a Buried Alive match. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the only time that they've ever done a good Buried Alive match, and it was a cinematic match. Yeah. It's not like it's too hard to do live TV in front of a crowd. Like, to oh, actually pull it off and make it good, didn't they have the this one, is what happens. did they have the one where they have the tractor filled with dirt and they just kind of dump it over the Great Collie? Maybe, but the Great Collie was in it, so it couldn't have been good. <laughs> I don't know. It's better. Be it's better than Kurgan. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, geez. But yeah, this match sucks. It's so bad. It's just so hard to watch. There's just like it's just nothing going on the whole time. There's absolutely nothing going on that is just watchable at all. I. And you know, obviously, we we love. Stone Cold, we love The Undertaker, they're two legends, and you would figure, you know, hey, you get these two guys at a main event on a pay-per-view and do some kind of cool gimmick match, you'll probably get something, you get nothing here, it's just two guys who are operating at about 30%, and they're just grabbing each other and they're punching each other for way too long, and you know, then they, they, the finish sucked too, I mean, like, I always, I always love these matches where it's like they have some kind of weird gimmick in it and then they fuck it up. Like, I, I thought about the Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns last man standing uh. match. They, they fucked up the handcuff and it took them a half hour to get the hand. When they were all standing around, like, trying to figure out what to do with the dirt, that reminded me of everyone standing around trying to figure out what to do with the handcuffs when they couldn't get the handcuffs off. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know why it wasn't a good match? It's because it wasn't called... Uh, in your house, stone cold. It's true. Or in or your in house, your buried, house li buried alive. Buried alive. Yeah, like you literally could have just called it buried alive. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's rock bottom. It's rock yeah. bottom because <laughs> this was rock bottom for WWE or F. I approve, Jake. <laughs> I thought about making a joke like that earlier in the show, but I couldn't figure out exactly where to fit it in where I was talking, and you just you just nailed Got it. Got it. Got it. That's a hit. That's a that's a two run double right there by Jake down the left field line. It's a so. deep drive just to the left field. 
<laughs> yeah. Nick Co- the the home run that Nick Castellanos hit during that match, ooh. Five hundred footer. <laughs> so this shit sucked. So might as well get to our two and a half marks already. Angelo, lead us off. Sure thing. My negative half mark is going to the oddities for having a horrible, like, it's such a dumb gimmick. Who is this appealing to? Like, who is going to be latching on to this? I guess. And not, not even kids. Like, what kid? Like, I can't think of me being a kid looking at Kurgan, Golga, Silva, and Luna Va- Va- I'm going to mispronounce her last name. Vachin. Luna Vachon. Vachon, Luna thank Vachon. you. Luna Vachon? Come on. Man. I pronounce it as I see it. Luna Vachon. Like, I can't look at them as a stable and be like, yeah, that's who I want to root for in this match versus the Headbangers. Like, no. they're And bad wrestling. Like, this age is poorly. It's awful. I don't get the gimmick. It's stupid. They all look dumb. They all look... It's it's awful. It's just bad. Ne- negative half mark to the oddities. Negative one mark is going to also Michael Cole. I mean, he's kind of like thro- thrown under the fire here, but... The guy does not take a breath. He is speaking every minute of every match, just nonstop jibber jabber for Michael Cole. You have uh, King coming in like edgewise every now and again, but it's just a lot of Michael Cole. It's like he's calling a hockey game. Like he's just nonstop. He doesn't stop talking. It's always Michael Cole talking. Just not great. Not a good look. And then finally, my negative two marks. It's going to dumb dusty finishes. We have two here. We have... Goldust and Jeff Jarrett, which is just solely for fan service, but it's like very dumb in the whole thing because you never see shit like that. And whenever you do see shit like that, it's bad. And then you have Mankind versus The Rock, where Mankind literally wins by beating The Rock so badly he can't even submit. And therefore, he is not the world champion because The Rock did not submit. Dumbest thing ever. We just watched All Out 2021 with MJF and Jericho, where they had a great dusty finish. A fantastic dusty finish where it was clear that Jericho was foot on the rope. The match should have been restarted with the stakes that were at play. And they restarted the match and Jericho ended up winning. They didn't just force their hand. They didn't just say, oh, this is a commissioner decision. They had the match continue playing out. Bad dusty finishes, which is somewhat WWE's calling card, really drags down everything. And they're awful to see. They don't get any enjoyment. They pop no one. And it's just a waste of everyone's time. So negative two marks to bad dusty finishes. I just want to be bad finishes just, in general. Yeah, I, I want to be pedantic about this a little bit. You can be pedantic. The only one of those that really counts as a quote unquote dusty finish is the mankind match. Because like the dusty finish was employed to like, you know, you have the baby face appear to go over, and okay. then usually it's like like and his music plays and the crowd goes crazy, and then the announcer gets on the mic or whoever and says, actually, no, uh, he was disqualified right before the bell. Okay. Or something like that. And, and, the, and Or the division, decision is reversed for some reason, and the heel is actually the winner of the match. Like, like Jericho and MJF, like, them restarting the match because the referee didn't see the, uh, the foot on the ropes, that doesn't count as a dusty finish. Like, the dusty finish refers to that specific thing, that specific kind of finish. So, like, the Mankind Rock match is a dusty finish. Okay. That, but like the dusty finishes, that's what is like specifically refers to that. I still stand. I still stand by my marks, but I have learned something today. <laughs> yeah. All um, right. Well, there you go. Fun fact: It's named after Dusty Rhodes. You don't say. He, he uh, did it a lot when he was a Booker, but it was actually invented by Eddie Graham. So 
He was the first guy to book those. Jake, you're up. All right. Uh, let me start off with my negative half mark to, I kind of touched on this earlier, but just the concept of burying guys alive. <laughs> like that's not what, that's not what's happening. Like I've been covered in more dirt, like just by working in my yard. Like that didn't kill me. Like, like, okay. If it's a buried alive match, that to me implies you're literally being buried. Like, like, what's the consequence if you lose this match, if you just, like, brush the dirt off and, like, go backstage? There's nothing. Like, otherwise, you just lost a match because somebody put dirt on top of you. That's boring. So, negative half mark to the concept of, quote, burying alive. Uh, wait, I just realized these are all negative marks. No, actually, I'm going to make this next one positive. I'm going to make this next one my positive one mark. Uh, and it's just walking away from work. Like... You're having a bad day? Just walk. Just leave. Well, I mean, if, if Owen Hart, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, can do it, why can't I just leave? Ladies and gentlemen, Owen Hart is practicing self-care. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just like, you know what? It's better for me if I'm not here. And I respect that. I respect it. We should all be able to have those days. You know? You're just, you're just not feeling it, you know? You just go home. Yeah. yeah. Just, or maybe not even home. You just leave. You know? Much, much better off that way. Um, and lastly, negative two marks to naming pay-per-view. It's a very specific one. Naming pay-per-views after guys and then not putting that guy in the main event. Like, <laughs> seriously? Seriously. Like, okay, if you call it rock bottom, but you don't make it known that it's, like, named after the rock, you're just like, yeah, that's just it's just WWF rock bottom. Okay. I guess, but The Rock literally starts the show like, this is my pay-per-view. Are you yeah. ready to watch Stone Cold and take your main event? It? They really do not, like, they lead the show. Yeah. The Rock cutting a promo about how this is my pay-per-view, and then they do not expand upon that at all. You know what would have been cool? Like, if they really leaned into it being The Rock's pay-per-view and have him, like, kind of host it and yeah. doing stuff. And fucking around. That would be great. That would have been awesome. They don't get no. any of that. They just name it that and then they just kind of, you know, they just leave it. And then it's just the regular shit. Yeah. So negative two marks to specifically naming it, naming pay-per-views after guys and then not putting those guys in the main event. Yes, sir. So I'm going to actually give a positive half mark to the Undertaker's Ministry theme song. Oh, Undertaker has had a lot of great themes in his career. You know, we love the uh, really both of the Biker Taker themes. Obviously, his current one is, or his most recent one is iconic. His original, just, you know, like Oregon one is iconic as well. This theme song he was coming out to at this point in time is the best theme of his career. It, like, takes the one that you know, but makes it so much more epic. I love it. It's like a, it's like an anime villain theme song. It's so sweet. Uh, I just put negative one. I, I just could not pick out any one specific thing about the main event, so I just wrote down whatever the fuck that was. That's my <laughs> negative one mark. It's just it's all bad and all unwatchable in so many different ways. It's just like one of those matches where nothing goes right, down to both of the guys in the match being severely injured. And not being able to do literally anything. It's just all a disaster. And I'm going to give... 
my negative two marks to laser pointer. Did you guys notice the main events? Yes. All the laser pointers that they kept pointing, like especially when they were fighting over towards the uh, the grave area near the stage. There were a couple of fucking jamokes with laser pointers that kept shining their laser pointers on Taker and Austin. And that is the stuff that that they need to you need to be thrown out of the arena immediately if you bring a freaking laser pointer, you freaking dork. Get the hell out of here with that. I just I get irrationally angry whenever I see that. Especially for like wrestling in general or any athletic event, because if you get that in someone's eye, one, you could already blind them. Two, especially with wrestling where you're doing these spots, if you get that in someone's eye and they mess up the spot, they could, you know, either hurt themselves or hurt the guy they're with. So, yeah. And that's not funny. And also, like, what, is that fun? Do you gain anything from that? Bring <laughs> <Getting> a laser <laughs> pointer? It's Fuck off. Some real beavis it's, and butthead shit. I just hate that stuff. I hate it. And, I, you know, I didn't notice it until the main event. But then when they were over there by the grave, you could see it. Uh, there were several of them. It's really stupid. So, that will wrap up our coverage of WWF Rock Bottom in Your House 1998. And that will bring us to our final order of business. I'm going to hit the randomizer and see what we're going to be watching next week on the show. As I pull this up, what do you boys want to watch? I'm thinking about the 80s. I want just something that's good from top to bottom. Like, it's at least solid. Like, it doesn't have to be world beating. It's just got to be good. Well, my friend, I'm not sure I can offer you that. Well, I'm not sure that I can offer you any of that. But what I can offer you is WCW Starcade 1996. Um, that's what we're going to be watching next week. Uh, we have got um, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Hollywood Hulk Hogan in a main event. Oh, we've got, Jesus. Uh, a very young big show match. We've got um, the Outsiders versus the Faces of Fear. We got, oh, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio Jr. and Ultimo Dragon versus Dean Malenko. Oh, David, did we watch this? Oh, that's this? the match that we watched the other time. Okay, well, we know there's we know there's at least one good match. That's a good match. Eddie, that's a good match. I have a hard time believing Eddie DDP is going to be bad. Uh, yeah, it's probably pretty good. Uh, but, you know, WCW Starcade 96, Lex Luger versus The Giant. Not looking forward to that one. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? This might be one of those. W- this was, you know, late '96. Stuff was getting hot there. Uh, this is kind of like one of the peak times of WCW actually being good. So this might turn out to be something pretty good this time around. So that is what we're going to be watching uh, next week. Akira Hokuto match on here. That'll be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, WCW Starcade 1996 next week. On the Two and a Half Marks podcast. And uh, so, for my friends Angelo Inglisa and Jake Long, my name is David Statman. Thanks, everybody, for listening.